This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Hello everyone. Takaho. Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. 안녕하세요. Assalamu alaikum. And Kiora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz.
It is now 12 p.m. and you are listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. Hello everyone, my name is Arina and thank you for tuning in on Otago Access Radio for Connecting Cultures Features. Um, so today I am doing this remotely in my room. I'm still working from home and for the whole New Zealand except Auckland, it's currently level 2. So I hope some of you are feeling better and that your lives are a little lighter knowing that we are out of lockdown and we don't have as much restrictions as before and it's okay if you're taking time to adjust to the change because I know a lot of people and myself too are feeling quite like it's a big change as well from suddenly not meeting anyone and like and suddenly it's okay to meet people but you know there is that um that physical wall that we've made uh for ourselves and i think it does take time to adjust to changes like that so it's okay if you're still feeling low and feeling like you need more time um it's completely fine um so today for connecting cultures features it will be just me um and i thought that today would be a good time to talk to all of you about um last week um so just for a heads up today i'll be talking about racial trauma and also specifically about what happened um in Auckland countdown uh last friday uh regarding the ISIS inspired uh, terrorist attack so if there is a part of you um that is not ready to hear conversations about this it's okay um and if you're still with me that's okay as well thank you for staying um so just for some background i am a muslim so i wear the hijab uh so i'm visibly a muslim so this is something quite personal to me as well and it's quite um it takes a lot of strength for me to be speaking here today about this uh because i was like i was at my <laughs> worst um over the weekend but i've definitely took some time off and healed myself and i think i am ready to be speaking about this today so uh whether or not you want to join me that's cool um but yeah just this is a way for me to heal as well to be talking about conversations like this and i think it's very important to have the hard conversations as well as the good ones um especially on this show connecting cultures features um so yeah so last friday uh in countdown 
in West Auckland's Lynn Mall countdown, uh, there was a ISIS-inspired terror attack. So this person stabbed uh, seven people, like in the name of religion. So he had very extremist views, which does not reflect the Islam that I know of. Um, and I think for me personally, it brought a lot of like trauma from March 15th, except uh, this time it was a Muslim who uh, did all the attack, who did the attack um, onto other people. And when I when I first realized when I first found out about the news I'm not sure why but the first thing that went into my mind was please not like a racial or a religious intended uh, terrorism when there is terrorism based on extremist views like that there will be parts of the community which will be more affected than others during Jacinda's press conference she did mention she said to the media the attack was carried out by an individual not a faith not a culture not an ethnicity but an individual person gripped by an ideology that is not support that is not supported here by anyone the moment she said that i thought okay so it must be something related to that which is why she um which is why she put it out there and i'm really glad that she did um, to remind people that to not mm, stigmatize and stereotype um, to not stereotype all terrorists as a culture or a faith or an, an ethnicity um, so yeah I'm really glad she said that and I think it's very important that as a leader you put that statement forward um so yeah today i like to talk about racial trauma and what it is who are the people who would be racially traumatized the causes of racial trauma the symptoms um and also how to heal ourselves from racial trauma so personally, my personal story, after hearing that news, I completely shut down. Like, I feel like I was quite in denial at first. Like, this couldn't be happening again, you know? Um, so I realized that my bad habit was that I was looking through Facebook comments which was the worst thing you can do. <laughs> um, and I really regretted that. It's like I was searching for a reason to hurt myself. 
And then once once I realized that I was doing that, I quickly deactivated my Instagram and Facebook, um, deleted my apps from my phone and my iPad, so I would not like have access to whatever people were saying. I think that was a really smart decision I made because I don't think I would. I don't think it was something I needed to read or know at the moment because I was quite fragile. Um, and I realized that there were friends um, and very kind people around me who messaged me thinking about you and your community. Um, and I really appreciate knowing that, you know, there are people out there who know that, who are sensitive enough to know that, um News like this would affect certain communities, um, and it's good that we um, get in touch with them. Um, and apparently, um, it's very weird if I deactivated my Instagram and Facebook for some people because I'm like usually all, always there. So there were people who messaged me on WhatsApp like, oh, are you okay? You're gone. <laughs> um, which is good to know. People were checking up on me, but um, it only took me two days to come back. Um, as a new person who is more um, calmer and accepted. Um, so I definitely went through the five stages of grief over the weekend and yeah um which is why i'm quite okay now to talk about racial trauma with all of you on connecting cultures features um so let's start so racial trauma is the ongoing result of racism racial bias and exposure to racist abuse in the media so it can affect people in so many different ways um um, relationship-wise, um, concentrating on school or work, and just their feeling of safety and belonging. So exposure to racial trauma, ongoing exposure, can lead to feelings of anxiety, uh, depression, and also symptoms to PTSD. So it's good that we are aware that... Um, you know, everything that happens in life could affect our mental health, other people's mental health, um, the society. So, who are the people who are most affected by racial trauma? These people would be any marginalized or stigmatized racial or ethnic groups. Um, so... For example, in the U.S., it would be uh, black people, the indigenous people, people of color. And for New Zealand, it would be everyone outside the margin, which would be Maori, Pacific Islanders, the Asians, the refugees, um, Middle Eastern groups yeah so which is why i'm really glad 
that this year we have a new ministry, Ministry of Ethnic Communities. And I do feel like there is better representation now um, with the government having that ministry. Because, and I think the ministry is doing a really good job on social media as well to like they have campaigns on like anti-racism which I really appreciate that they they are doing that I think it's really important that we are raising awareness on racism in Aotearoa all right so let's talk about the causes of racial trauma so what are the things that's causing racial trauma firstly Exposure to racial or ethnic stereotypes. So, so stereotypes are a fixed general image or characteristic that we have for a group, which usually defines the characteristic of the whole group and not acknowledging the individual traits of each person. So I think it's much easier if I talk about my culture and my personal um, experience with stereotypes. So I am a Muslim woman. I was born in Malaysia. I came to New Zealand when I was 10 and I went back to Malaysia for high school, came back here. So I've lived um, in a Kiwi way and also a Malay way. Um, but throughout all my life, I've always been a Muslim um, with those two cultures. And one of the stereotypes that people have about Muslim women is that we are oppressed because we are wearing the hijab. Um, so that's definitely something I've always been aware of because of media and I remember I'm not sh- I don't remember what the show is but there was a scene of a Muslim woman wearing the hijab in the show which is like yay amazing representation of Muslims and suddenly in one part of the show towards, towards the end she takes off her hijab because um, she met a guy in the club. And that scene was something very, like, inspiring. It was like a, it was made to be like a really inspiring moment where she um, gets freedom. And <laughs> I mean,. That's not what we meant by wanting representation, wanting Muslim women representation on media. Um, I think people misunderstood the definition of freedom for us. For us, freedom is when we have the choice to do whatever we want and not be forced to do something. No one forced me to wear the hijab. It was something I wanted to do for myself and also for my faith and culture. And I think... So I've always grown up <laughs> with knowing that 
oh, one of the stereotypes of Muslim women was are are that we're oppressed, and it makes me want to fight that even more, like breaking the stereotype, which is why I'm quite open talking about conversations like this. I'm not quiet. I'm um. I feel like hard. Com- I feel like different conversations are the most important conversations to have. Uh, supporting Muslim women in general and those who are wearing the hijab and those who are not. There are no difference between us. It's just that we experience life differently and we have different definitions of modesty. And it really... And it's really fine, you know? Um, yeah, so that's one of the religious stereotypes that I have. Um, I don't really, I'm not really aware of specific racial stereotypes towards Malaysians. Um, but yeah, which is why I talked about my Muslim side more, because that's definitely something I hold more strongly than my Malaysian side. Um, so some other causes of racial trauma is fear of personal safety. So if you are someone who is prone to being um, stereotyped and someone who is prone to being labeled racially or ethnically, you might have fears about personal safety. Um because people of color, people who are marginalized, have the fear of being abused by the police more, um, being labeled as an undocumented immigrant, for example. Um, so there's a lot of stereotypes which causes us to have all these feelings about personal safety and whether or not we can trust people so another cause of racial trauma is witnessing members of a person's group receiving abuse um so it can be from the media for example we saw we saw videos of unarmed black person being killed um and then there was black lives matter and then um, there were Asians being abused. And then there was um, Stop Asian Hate um, because of the virus. And, you know, there are so many events that happened in the past. If I can really come back to my Muslim um, self, it's when 9-11 happened. Um it was when 15th March happened. Um, so yeah, there's so many events when people receive abuse which would cause the racial trauma. Um, another cause of racial trauma is the direct exposure to racist abuse or discrimination. Um Personally, I have never been like directly discriminated 
because of my my identity or probably because I've never or maybe I didn't realize it you know um but I personally have experienced microaggressions so let's talk about microaggressions I'm really enjoying this conversation because this is something I studied in psychology when I, when I was a student we did cultural psychology so microaggression is like common unintentional or intentional negative attitudes towards stigmatized or culturally marginalized groups um so i'll tell you some examples of microaggression for example um when people come up to you randomly without getting to know you first and asking where you're from just because you're not the majority um just because you don't belong in the majority group of the country they just expect that you're not from here because you don't look white <laughs> um so that is something that is a microaggression that some of my friends who are actually born in New Zealand but have to explain that you know yeah I'm from here Let's talk about other microaggressions. Um and it's good for us to be aware as well cuz we might be doing this unintentionally and the thing is microaggressions are the things that we do un- unintentionally and it may hurt someone. Um you may contribute to their trauma. So it's good that we are aware of this. Firstly, not pronouncing or spelling an individual's name correctly. Their name is something special to them. It was given to them. So it's very important that when you want to get to know someone, if you are having problems um remembering or hearing their name to ask like can you teach me how to pronounce your name? Can you help me spell your name so that I can remember? Just being a being very open to that conversation. And this is something I am very careful about as well especially for my show The Arenality. So I bring uh women of different cultures into the show and we talk about their life, um cultural identities, belonging and well-being and the f- throughout the whole show I will make sure to really ma- call their name as what they are uh based on their culture not using an english accent um because it's very important to them and i know that different cultures have different ways of saying things um and i think it's very important for us to learn that um yes Another microaggression would be making assumption about skills or abilities based on stereotypes. Um one of the things that I could remember was like Asians being smart at maths. Um <laughs> I personally haven't experienced this, but I know I know my 
Asian friends, well, I'm Asian, but my other Asian friends have shared that peop- that their co-workers expect them to be like a genius in maths because they're Asians. Um, yeah, so that is a microaggression. And I remembered something. Once, someone told me, oh, your English is really good. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it's one of my first languages as well. My parents taught me to speak English. I grew up with Disney Channel. Um, I don't know. Were they assuming that um, just because I am a person of different ethnicity that I can't speak English? <laughs> so yeah, those those things are microaggressions you're assuming someone is bad in English just because of how they look like or how they identify themselves and I remember so this never happened to me but one of my friends said that someone came up to them and said oh you look really pretty for a blank person Um, blank meaning they're race and culture (laughs) what you know um so yeah there are people who still feel like it's okay to say things like that which is why we're talking we're having this conversation right um in malaysia we have a problem of colorism so media society People glorify light skin. And you can tell this by the ads people make um, regarding skin brightening uh, products. And also, there are like, uh, what do you call those things? Like children movies, like folk, folk stories. Folk stories, does that make sense? Um, there was one about a person and then they got cursed and then um, they got darker skin and then like nobody wants to be friends with them. It's like, um, so yeah, those things were the things that I grew up with and unfortunately I did have... I did have stereotypes like that as well. But now that I am an adult and I can make my own choices, I know that I need to be aware to break those stereotypes, basically. So there are a lot of stories where people share, people with darker skin tones would share that they feel like they're the lesser attractive person in the family just because they have the darker skin tone. And you know those aunties who would come to you and say things to you because they feel like they can? <laughs> some some of them would say things like, Oh, you're so pretty, but... Sadly, you're a little darker than other people. 
you know, things like that. It's very like wow, right? Um, I personally don't remember experiencing anything like that because I do have a lighter skin tone in my family. But my little sister, uh, she's adopted. She is half Asian and half black. And I know this very well that she experiences these kinds of microaggressions from people outside our family, um, which is why it's very personal for me as well to be an ally for people with darker skin tones because my sister is part of that. Um, and I know that we we really try our best, like my parents and I, we really try our best to make sure that my sister has, that my sister is seeing people who look like her on the media and also in the toys that we give her. And I think growing up, I played with like white blonde Barbies. I never had like a darker skin tone Barbie or a Barbie that's not like body size unrealistic but nowadays barbies barbie dolls they've become very woke like (laughs) they are diverse and i wish i grew up with that actually so yeah we would buy her barbies who look different than white and blonde straight hair um and i think it's very important for her not just because she needs to relate on the skin tones but also for her hair so she has afro hair um and see and i remember that one day i was going on um like models black models and i would send her photos of them like oh they're so beautiful and I'm really glad that she realizes that as well, that the reason why we love her is because she was different. Um, Yeah, so just being aware of the media and content your little siblings or your children are um, getting, that's very important because you just don't know what, um, what small things, what small... Um, how small things can affect their um, the way they see life yeah Um, yes so that is microaggression thank you for listening to me speaking about that Um, so lastly I do want to talk about one of the triggers for racial trauma is when people do not take racism seriously. Um, and when people who are not the people subjected to the racism question, <laughs> like, question 
like, oh, is that really so racist? Firstly, no one gets to, no one gets to question other people's experiences because you've never been in their shoes. You've, you know, what you might see is one experience. But you're not taking into account the rest, the other days of that person's life when they were subjected to microaggressions, any prejudice, any um, discrimination. You're not seeing all that. So you don't get to say whether something is racist or not. So I really hope that if you're listening to this, you're here with an open mind because the things that people share, it might not be the whole book. It might be like one chapter of their life or maybe even like one page, but it's all very valid. It doesn't make them... Like the worst thing you can do is dismiss a racist behavior because... One action, one normalized action can affect another person to think it's a normal action. And then it will create a society full of racists, which we don't want, (laughs) which is why we're having this conversation. So I do want to talk about coping methods This is something that, and these are just my suggestions. Um, This is something that helped me and also helped some of my other ethnic friends who have experienced racism and prejudice and discrimination. So it might not work for you and you might think that really that doesn't solve anything and it's true. But but the things I'm saying here is coping methods if you experience racism, not like a way to solve racism, if you get what I mean. So if so what helps me is therapy. I remember after March fifteenth, I went to a couple of sessions. Uh, at student health because I have that um, because I have my student insurance health insurance which allows me to have therapy sessions and it was the best thing I ever did (laughs) Um, so talking about what happened to me was very important and I remember that So my first therapist, he didn't really get me and I couldn't feel that connection where he actually understood what I was going through because he was not of a ethnic minority. So I made a really good decision to ask for a different therapist. And then I got another person who really gets me because um, this person... She had similar values 
with my culture as well. Like it was a lot about like spirituality and community and healing with like spiritual spiritually as well. So it was it was definitely so much better talking to someone someone professional when they themselves are representing your community too which is why we need more people of different cultures to talk, to be therapists to be um psychologists so that we are representing people who need representation like that um i think also some of my other coping methods was that i i was very connected to my community because i know that most of them are experiencing the same feelings that i'm experiencing so being there for each other was very important for me and even if they're not muslims like i could still relate to the feelings of someone who is discriminated in their own identity even though we're not the same like we can still talk about oh you want to you want to know what happened in my country the, these things happen and then we would acknowledge each other's experiences and i feel like sometimes it's better that way as well um so that it really it could open up your eyes that your culture isn't the only culture that <laughs> experiences all this um unfortunately you know but but it does make you feel more understanding of different cultures and makes you it makes you open up your eyes to support other people as well um yes also i think for me personally when i feel like I'm going through racial trauma. I would take a step back and reflect on myself so that I am presenting myself in a good way so that I'm not like hurting myself by looking at Facebook comments or saying things I shouldn't. Um so I think taking a step back um remove yourself from things people are saying and really think about okay all that are just people are just what people are saying that does not define who I am who I am is dot 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 so really reflect on yourself journal um think about what other people like removing what other people are saying and only think about what your body and your inner self is saying to you because that's so much more important 
because you are living with yourself the longest in your life, not with those people you see on Facebook. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are my top three coping methods, and they definitely do not solve racism, but they do help me to manage. The trauma that I experience from racism. So I I hope that that's very clear. Um, yes. So, so to summarize this whole conversation, racial trauma is very serious and it affects people in many ways of their life. I remember, um, it was the. March fifteenth, anniversary day, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop crying in the bus on the way to work because I just feel like I I feel the trauma, right? And you just don't know if there are people around you who are feeling triggered or traumatized by something that is happening to them or their community. So it's always. That is why we have to be good people and kind people to everyone around us, because you just don't know. Because you just don't know if they're having a really, really bad time. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so if any of these conversation have triggered you or made you feel. Uneasy in any way. My favorite、um, helpline is one seven three seven, so you can talk to a trained psychologist or a counselor about how you're feeling. And I think it's very important to talk to people about how you're feeling, because、um, it justifies and vulnerability. Is a good way to heal. That's something that I realized,、um, which is why I'm being very vulnerable to talk about my experiences. Because I feel like once this goes to air, I will feel like my story is being heard, and、um, people are listening and opens up more conversations. You know, you might think about after listening to this story. You might think about, oh, what about my friend who is、uh, of a specific culture? What are the things they might be facing that I don't know about? You know, it's always important to support those people, especially at times when their communities are healing and. Needing support,、um, yes. So I might end the show now. This is a really long show、um, of just me talking.、Um, I hope you are taking care of yourself, and if you are needing more support, you can find from the Connecting Cultures podcast. There was an episode about COVID resources for ethnic communities, and I think that will be very、um, useful for. People to know what they can access、um, during this COVID era.、Uh, 
Um, but yeah, hopefully you guys will hear from me again next week. Thank you for listening. Um, and I'll see you next time. Kia ora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM. 
podcast on oar.org.nz. to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.